Hello, Baker McKenzie welcomes you to Connect on Tech, a global podcast series covering legal developments on data, technology, privacy, and security that impact your business. Here's your host, Brian Hengisbaugh, Global Chair of Privacy and Security. We're excited today to have uh, Ben Slynn, a senior associate in our London office, talking about the ever important issue of Brexit, which um, has had a long path, a lot of twists and turns as we go. Uh, But Ben, welcome to the program. Hi, Brian. Thanks very much for having me. Great. And so from a uh, data protection perspective, what do we think is really going to change in uh, the UK and the EU following the UK leaving uh, the EU on 31 January? Are are things going to change from a data P perspective? So in the short term, there's not going to be a huge change um, from a data protection point of view. And the reason for that is that the UK and uh, the European Union have agreed a withdrawal agreement under which there's a transition period which will run um, from the point of Brexit, so from the 31st of January 2020 until the end of 2020. So during that transition period, there's going to be a minimal impact from a data protection point of view because the GDPR itself will apply directly in the UK um, under the terms of that withdrawal agreement during the transition period. Um, And for for those reasons, um, there's not anything companies immediately need to do um, to address data protection compliance because it will effectively be business as usual. And the ICO has, um, the uh, UK regulator has confirmed that's the case and has encouraged organisations to continue to comply uh, with their existing data protection guidance, which obviously relates to uh, the GDPR. So in the short term, not a huge impact. But then we do have then the expiry of the year uh, on the horizon. Um, what types of things should be companies be looking for, perhaps particularly related to international data transfers? Yeah, so during um, the transition period, data can continue to be transferred between the EU and the UK and vice versa. Um, But as you say, at the end of that transition period, um, the UK uh, will effectively be treated as a third country unless um, the UK is is granted an adequacy decision um, by the European Commission. So the position um, in the political declaration which accompanies the withdrawal agreement sets out that the European Commission will start the process for um, an adequacy decision um, as soon as possible after the 31st of January and will work towards having an adequacy decision in place for the UK by the end of 2020, so the end of the transition period, but provided that certain conditions are met. Um, So from a data transfer point of view, if everything goes according to plan and the UK receives an adequacy decision, EU organisations will then be able to transfer data to the UK post the transition period in the same way that they have done um, under the GDPR and for many years under the EU Data Protection Directive as well. Um, The interesting question really is what would happen if um, an adequacy decision isn't um, provided for the UK in time? And that is a real possibility because the time period we're looking at here um, is only 11 months, which is much shorter than adequacy decisions normally take um, to be issued by the Commission. And there are also elements of, of UK law that um, may come under the spotlight as part of that assessment process. So it's not necessarily guaranteed that the UK will receive an adequacy decision at the end of the year. So that would leave us in a position where um, they, companies would need to take additional measures to address international data transfers, for example, putting in place the standard contractual clauses um, if the UK doesn't have an adequacy decision. No, that's great. I mean, um, particularly coming from the US, let me, let me ask you one particular point around transfer. So we in the US have have sort of been working through for many years these questions under, you know, SHREMS 1 and now SHREMS 2 related to national security law enforcement activity. 
Um, I think we've largely suffered from that because we're outside of the EU. So the, the other EU member states don't have that type of scrutiny, sharing data back and forth uh, with each other. But Europe's highest court has jurisdiction over these issues, given that we're a third country. Do we think that same type of, of set of issues related to, gee, how does the, the UK handle national security law enforcement, government demands for data, do we think those might crop up in either uh, negotiation of an adequacy decision or perhaps some kind of court scrutiny of transfers to the UK? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think that is certainly going to be a factor that's going to be weighed up as part of the adequacy decision process. And it's something that um, that certainly some commentators have, have mentioned might be a potential roadblock um, to that adequacy decision coming through. Um, so, yeah, I agree. I think similar, those sort of similar issues are going to arise over the next um, over the next 11 months. Here's an, an, another wrinkle question that occurred to me as you were explaining what was happening with the negotiation. I suppose in some ways the adequacy decision, decision would almost need to be a mutual one, correct? Because the UK itself will still retain a cross-border transfer restriction under its Data Protection Act. So it would need to be finding the EU adequate the same as the EU is finding the UK adequate. Do you think that's fair? Yeah, absolutely. That is, uh, and again, the political declaration sets out that it is effectively going to be a mutual process. So at the same time that the European Commission is going to be assessing adequacy for the UK, the UK is also going to take steps to make sure that um, the EU and the EEA will be regarded um, as adequate um, in terms of transferring personal data there. Um, And as you say, the UK data protection regime, the default position will be at the end of um, the transition period that the UK will incorporate the GDPR into domestic law, um, but with certain um, small amendments to make it function appropriately as a piece of UK legislation. So referring to the UK rather than the EU and and rather than EU bodies talking about UK bodies and the ICO, for example. Uh, But absolutely right, because it will be very Similar to the GDPR, it will have some very similar data transfer restrictions. So transferring personal data outside of the UK, you'll still need to make sure you have um, safeguards in place, whether that's data contractual clauses or transfers to jurisdictions that have um, an adequacy decision. And in the short term, um, jurisdictions that the European Commission have granted an adequacy decision to um, would have the same status. But longer term, the the UK will be granting its own decisions um, in, in the sense of under the UK GDPR for particular territories, which would include the EU. Perfect. Okay. And then what about um, what about companies? We, we know that many companies have gone with binding corporate rules and have had the UK as their lead authority approving those. Do those companies need to look to shift their lead authority, I suppose, at least for EU purposes, to some other jurisdiction within the EU? Is that uh, part of what should be happening perhaps this past year or maybe already is happening? Yeah. So during the transition period, the ICO has stated that it can continue to act as a lead supervisory authority um, for businesses operating in the UK. But certainly after the transition period, um, the UK would no longer be able to act as a lead supervisory authority, um, in particular under the GDPR in that concept, because the UK would uh, would no longer be part of the European Union and, um, and and the UK would not be directly complying with the GDPR. So certainly during this transition period, this is a time um, to be looking at those issues. And and if you do have a lead supervisory authority in the UK, whether it's possible to identify another jurisdiction um, that could act in that role. Perfect. And then uh, any other steps that you uh, would recommend that companies start to take now or think about now with respect to Brexit and data protection? Yeah, so in addition to the lead supervisory authority point, um, there is the potential that um, organisations that are in the UK but subject to the GDPR because of its extraterritorial scope will need to appoint a representative um, in the EU under the GDPR. So that's one thing to 
be considering if that applies to you and whether or not you need to do that and the steps that you need to take. So during that transition period, this is a good time to, to be looking at those issues so that you have the things in place um, before the end of 2020. And other steps like update, you know, maybe any updates that are required to privacy notices, to records of processing or data protection impact assessments um, to the extent they refer to transfers um, to third jurisdictions. Uh, may need to be updated in particular if the UK doesn't have an adequacy decision. And finally, um, putting steps in or at least thinking about the steps to put in place uh, for data transfers if we get to the end of 2020 and the UK doesn't have an adequacy decision. Perfect. Excellent. Well, Ben Slynn, Senior Associate, focusing on all things data protection and privacy out of London. Thanks for being with us. Thanks very much, Brian. Thank you for listening. Stay tuned for our next podcast when we connect on tech. For more information on data and technology, subscribe to our blog at connectontech.com or visit our website at bakermackenzie.com.